quite often you get people in your team who might be coming up to you, hey, how do I solve this? Hey, what do you think about that? And it's basically they're taking the monkey off their back and putting it onto your back. So what we want to do is we want to give that monkey a pat on the back and send him on his way. And how we do that is instilling a problem-solving framework into the business. So it's called PSR. So Problem Solutions Recommendation. So we're going to teach this to our team. If you don't take away anything else, but you apply this one thing this week, then absolute game changer for your business and your sanity. We're live. So good. Uh, the fun part is definitely when you hit play or hit record on Riverside FM that we're using to record this. It counts us down. It's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. It's like counting us down into the end of the week because we record these on a Friday. How's your week been, Marty? It's been epic. Like we're in such momentum now, both personally and in the business. So personally, I've just finished uh, phase one of 75 Hard. So for anyone that's not familiar, Andy Frazella, 75 Hard. It's a physical challenge, but it's also like a more of a mental discipline challenge. You've done it, Owen, like quite a few times. Heaps of our members have done it, and it's like you at your highest peak. So I'm just buzzing. feel like I could run through walls at the moment. And so, yeah, do you want to explain a little bit about what it is and how it works? So uh, it's a mental, mental fitness, mental uh, discipline challenge, like you said. And you got to do a couple of tasks every single day consistently, non-negotiably for 75 days in a row. If you fail any of the tasks, you start back at day zero. They are exercise for 45 minutes, outdoor exercise for 45 minutes, a gallon of water, 10 pages of a personal development book of your choosing, stick to a diet, take a progress picture. And what else am I missing there? Yeah, read 10 pages of a book, take a progress picture don't deviate so two 45 minute workouts one must be outdoors follow a diet no alcohol or cheap meals gallon of water take a progress picture now i'm doing i've just finished phase one so 75 days in a row of that and then phase one which i've just completed is 30 days and that adds in three other things number one a five minute cold shower 10 minutes of visualization and then your powerless tasks I've just completed it. I've dropped four kilos or 8.8 .8 pounds, nine pounds. And yeah, feeling amazing. Like it's you at your highest peak, just winning, stacking W's from the first time you get up in the morning. 100%. It's so fantastic. I've done it uh, twice now. I think I've done phase one once. And it's, you are bulletproof. You are unstoppable. There's nothing quite like momentum and achieving momentum through stacking small wins every day, non-negotiably. And then you look around yourself, you look, people think it's hard. Yeah, cool. Maybe the first 15 days of forming the habit or jumping back into the routine is difficult. But after that, it's a piece of cake. You set a new standard of what's non-negotiable for you. And you look around at everybody else complaining, moaning, bitching. And you go, man, you're just weak. You're just weak and lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Puts you on another Amazing. level away. When you get 45 days in or that, you suddenly become omnipresent or omni-aware of omniscient of other people and their why they're stuck in the same place and because basically they're being a little bitch and they're not holding themselves to a higher baseline and it reminds me of so many adages so number one you don't get in business what you deserve you get what you tolerate which is huge and then mm -hmm. another one that says you don't have business problems you have personal problems that show up in your business like lack of discipline lack of motivation not doing any learning 
not executing like a man possessed, not having structure to your week, saying yes to low dollar value tasks, not working your plan. 100%. So personally, on fire, and I think that then becomes contagious. So you attract, what you focus on grows. So if you're focused on winning and stacking wins daily and you're out there giving it your all, you're, you've got super high energy, you're coming across as motivated, energetic, and focused, optimistic and focused on the positive and problem solving rather than pissing and moaning, then that is contagious to your whole team. Which brings me to the uh, being on fire in our business. So we just had... Uh, keep having record month after record month. And I think the big part of that is because we're focused on how do we help our members win faster? And one of the things that we did was we did an in-person event with 50 building company owners last week at the Remuera Golf Club. And it's just so great to have the whole team pulling in the same direction, everyone on a high from meeting our members and people who are coming new coming into the community who want to build a well-systemized business that gives them, you know, both more money and more time. So yeah, I think it's contagious. Yeah, hard out. It's so good meeting everybody in person. Eh? I'm going to be in Melbourne with some of our members on March the 29th, which is a Wednesday. And then I'm going to be uh, in Perth with some of our members on March the 30th which uh, I can't wait for. It's going to be good fun. Going to be able to catch up with them, talk shop, uh, have a couple of beers, talk business. It's, it's going to be cool. I always love getting to meet our members in person. And uh, this is a highlight of my month. I cannot wait for it. So, yeah. But, um, but today's not about us. Today is about how to make hard decisions easy and a framework that uh, – our members use for this, that we've used for this, and uh, it really kind of cracks the code on tough conversations, on difficult decisions when you get this framework in place. So walk us through what it is, Marty. Walk us through what we're going to be chatting about today. Yeah, so a big thing is how do we get everyone pulling in the same direction? Now, we have these ch issues and challenges in our business just like all our members, and the whole thing is how do you get people to take ownership? come with their own problem-solving mechanism so they think like an owner rather than you having to babysit them, put out fires, be pulled back on site, be taking phone calls, doing the decision-making for them. So I guess a, a thing to think about is stop and go, if I went away for two weeks, how would the business go? Would it be better when you got back two weeks later? Or would you be thinking, holy shit, I wonder what James is doing on site. Is the concrete truck going to turn up on time? Are we going to capture those variations and change orders and invoice them next week? And how close to the labor hours are we getting? So big thing to think is, if I'm not there, how are things going? And how much ownership and accountability is the team taking for their role? Are they owning the outcomes? Massive. Because as your business grows, like, it could be you taking a break away. It could be you going on holiday. Or it could just be you getting a bunch more work. And as your business grows or as your business comes under pressure by you taking a step out of it, that pressure is going to come on both your people and your process. And cool, we've got a truckload of processes. We've got a truckload of systems. We can unpack that. We can dive into the details of those. And you could put a system or process in pretty much any part of the business. But the big variable is the, the people that are in charge. And they need a decision-making framework. They need to be good problem solvers. And they need to know what right and wrong and high quality looks like for the company and for the team. So when you do hand stuff over, go on holiday, or when the pressure does come on and people need to make decisions for themselves and they can't always pick up the phone and talk to you, they need to be able to uh, know what is right and what is wrong. 
So that's kind of what today's about, right? A hundred percent. So the opportunity is how do you get your team to take ownership of the results? How do you empower them? And then what's the framework that you set up so that you've got guardrails like 10 pin bowling, right? Like when I go bowling, you know, normally there's a there's a strike and either 10 or 9 pins, pins go down. But when my two boys, Ashton and Zach, go bowling, like holy shit, they all go in the gutter, occasionally one will go down the middle, and it's like, Jesus Christ, come on, let's get with <laughs> the boys. So we put the bumper bars up, all the guardrails, and then the boys can throw those balls down the, uh, down the bowling alley. And, you know, half the time they'll get a strike, strike and they'll do well. So that's the whole thing with guardrails, guidelines and frameworks for our team to enable them to run faster. So it's up to us as the leader to set the field, set the boundaries, set the rules, set the values, and then give people the guidelines, the SOPs and the systems on how their role is to be done and give them a scorecard or one metric on what success looks like. Because if you're playing a game and you're playing it to win, but you're not keeping score, then, you know, you've you got no yeah. idea how you're going. You're just pissing in the wind. 100%. I love the humble brag about you getting a strike or a spare. <laughs> I, I suck at all <laughs> <laughs> uh, Excellent. Yeah, 100%. It's like, you know, you score 10 points. Is that good or bad? What game are we playing, right? So you need to define the game. Like, you know, we are achieving reclads within this labor schedule. We're doing new builds within this labor schedule. We're doing this their footings, just this part of the job within this labor schedule, or within this timeline, or within this budget, whatever it might be. We need to set the field of play. We need to set the game and define what success looks like. And then we need to close the feedback loop, track, measure it, and report it every single week so the boys know if they're on track or off track. You know, that, that there's a process there, but we also need to define what winning looks like. And that's kind of, uh, you know, a little bit more of what we what we want to chat about today, right? A hundred percent. So I think there, there's two tools that uh, frameworks that we can give you that our members are using that we use in our own business that makes a massive difference. So we'll talk about the first one. It's the bigger strategic overarching um, experience, I guess, is values. Like, what are your values? What are the company's values? And how do you actually get that to work so that you have people making decisions without you having to be there? With confidence and doing it in the right way. Nice. Yeah. So there's so much that goes into that. Often we see a bunch of mistakes that people make when they are doing their values, setting their values, reviewing and, and implementing them. So let me share my screen. I want to show you ours. I want to show you a member of ours. And as I do that you can walk us through some of the details Marty. oh so when you brought up mistakes i thought shit the first thing we did was we came up with 12 values and we listed out everything uh you know that was important to us and your values should be a personal reflection of your own personal values and then the build them into the company's values so when we started figuring out uh, our values and documenting them about four years ago, we, we had 12 values. If you asked me what those 12 were, I'm like, fuck, I don't know. Like, I've got no fucking idea. But now that we've refined them, thanks to you, Owen Chambers, refining them down and grouping and aggregating them into four, we can have people make decisions in our team on their values using our framework to show is this world class? Uh, if we could just bring up our values and we'll show everyone what that looks like, um, and we can I'll run through our values. So, I guess 
how do you get these values in play? Well, the first thing is you want to have a meeting about them and get get a, a list up on the board of what's everything important to you and the company. So is it we want to do things world class? Is it health and fitness? Is it accuracy? Is it great communication? Is it learning from the best? Is it customer service? So you want to get all these words up there and then be able to actually define them because my idea of world-class might be very different to someone else's idea of world-class. So we want to spend the time documenting and coming to a definition of what does world-class actually mean. So that's the first thing is get a big whiteboard, get out with your team and get them to write down on their paper like what are their top five values and then you do the same, top five values, and then we're going to bring them up on a big whiteboard. And this probably takes about half an hour, 45 minutes to do. And so we, we then got a big laundry list. So ours were like uh, client experience, member results, uh, health and fitness, speed, accuracy, world class, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we did was we got them all up on a whiteboard. We defined each one of them. And then we're like, okay, what does world class mean? So world class means there's already, it's best in class. It's done to a certain standard, and that standard is already world-class that someone else is already doing. And then we, then we can go, great, is our current office world-class? Are our current trainings world-class? Are our T-shirts world-class? So everyone should be able to make a decision and go back to those values and go, holy shit, our site signage is not world-class. Our branding on our trailers looks shit. Is that world-class? If this is one of your values. And the more you can quantify it and qualify it and actually explain it, the better. And I think then one of the keys is to how do you embed this into your daily culture? So you obviously have it in your office, you put it into your workbooks, um, you know, and your onboarding books, and you have it in your hiring process and you ask people how do these values resonate with you or, hey, list your top four values. And then you can have it in your foreman pack as well. And then every 90 days, use it in your reviews with your team. And you can actually rate them on, so if world class is one, from one, you suck, to five, you're A plus, bro. And you can circle them how well they're growing. Hey, uh, quality of work, one, like you're, you're a shocker, to five, this is uh, world class carpentry. And so you can use them for reviews, hiring, put them in the form, foreman's packs for on-site, um, and also use them in your values uh, for your client-facing stuff as well. So on the website, uh, in your marketing, in your information pack, etc., it's quite a game changer when people see this is the company's values. They resonate with me. Yeah, massively. It's like uh, having trouble sharing the screen, so I'm not sure what's going on, but we'll make sure these are available to you guys to review and have a look at. Now, the reason that you want to have few values is you want to hold them non-negotiably. And usually it's what you... You can't hold non-negotiably 12 values. Like, good luck. It's, yeah. not, it's not possible. You will waver and crumble on a few of those values, and then you might as well waver and crumble on all of those values, right? So you want to choose three or four that you are absolutely non-negotiable at and that you will hold the highest standard because your job as a business owner is to hold the highest standards. It's to ask the most difficult questions, which are usually the most uh, simplest. What's the margin? Are we on track or behind track? How are we performing with X? How many leads do we get? What's the pricing on this job look like? What's the margin coming out? Are we on labor schedule? Hardest questions, usually the most simple ones, and your job is to hold the highest standard. 
And that means that you need to live your values. So you need to choose just three or four that you know that you can live, you know that you can hold to a high standard and that you'd be comfortable graduating or moving people out of the team that are not performing to those standards or performing to those values. So that's why you should have a few, not a, not a truckload. 100%. So it reminds me of uh, we had our boardroom squad meetings this week and uh, what you've just said then hit the nail on the head. So what's non-negotiable? So you don't get in business what you deserve, you get what you tolerate. So one of our members has got a couple of guys that he is moving on because they're shit in the culture. And the, like one bad egg is spoiling it for the rest. And when he's working out the schedules, most of the foremen are going, I don't want that guy in our crew because he's going to slow production down. We're gonna, not going to hit the milestones and he's hard to work with. So he's made the tough decision to move them on. So then obviously in moving people on, you've got either the performance management process, which is fucking hard work and difficult, or you've got the restructuring of the business and we've got a business plan we're going in a different direction here's what we're going to do differently now obviously this is a massive legal minefield so you want to make sure you talk to a human resources lawyer and you get great advice but there's a very straightforward process to go through to make sure you dot all the i's and cross all the t's but ultimately values is the glue that holds everyone together that makes sure that the team runs the business and they run it the way that it should be to your standards when you're not there. Because otherwise, what happens if you step off site? What happens if you go away on holiday? We want to know that everyone is holding high standards, people are stepping up as leaders, and they're all singing from the same hymn sheet. 100%. And you'll have heard us say this before, but uh, I'm going to say it again, because usually we don't need to learn new shit. We just need to be reminded of things we already know. And it is the value is not in the plan. The value is in the planning, right? Everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face, and that's why it's really important that everybody participates in the planning process. Marty run us, ran us through before how to set these values, and it included your team. You 100% need to include your team in this process because, yes, you need to own, live, eat, sleep, and breathe your values, but your team need to have participated in the planning process or the formation of these values because if they don't resonate with them, they don't give a shit either. And then they won't be able to hold them and follow them with high integrity once you move on, go off site, whatever it might be. The values are a decision-making framework for people to be able to use when you're not available, right? They should be able to be faced with a decision to make. And rather than picking up the phone and calling you, they should go like, okay, cool. So the decision I'm about to make does align with what we care about here. And that could be, for argument's sake, member success. Like for us, our four core values are health and wealth, member transformation, world class, grow or die. Okay. So if anybody on our team is faced with a decision, they should be able to run that decision through these four values and identify that one or two of them really align with the decision they're about to make. Is this world class? Does this improve our member? Uh, help our members create transformation in their business. Does this resonate with me in terms of my health and wealth? Okay. Is it helping me grow or is it causing me to die? Right. Are we making progress or are we stagnating if I don't make this decision? So it's really important that your values have been constructed with your team so that they understand intimately what they are, what they mean and how they can be implemented properly. 
100%. So I think that gives a good overarching strategic approach. Then if we look at a more day-to-day transformational approach that you can use tactically is quite often you get people in your team who might be coming up to you, hey, how do I solve this? Hey, what do you think about that? And it's basically they're taking the monkey off their back and putting it onto your back. So what we want to do is we want to give that monkey a pat on the back and send him on his way. And how we do that is instilling a problem-solving framework into the business. So it's called PSR. So Problem Solutions Recommendation. So we're going to teach this to our team. If you don't take away anything else, but you apply this one thing this week, then absolute game changer for your business and your sanity. So here's how it works. So we want people, when they come to us with a problem, to tightly define the problem as tight as possible. So one of our members, for example, is losing money on one of his projects. And it's like, cool. Well, can you define it more tighter? Okay, it's happening in labor overruns. So we're going over and it's like, okay, cool. We can break that down way further into what stages are we losing those labor hours on? So framing was the stage that they were getting labor overruns on. So now we've defined the problem much tighter. So have someone define the problem as tightly and specific as possible. We're losing money on the job. We're losing money specifically on labor hours, labor overruns, and we're losing it uh, in the framing stage. So now we've got a tight problem that makes it much easier to come up with specific solutions. So now it's come back with three solutions. What are three things that we can do? So this is actually one of our members in the South Island. And so he could, when you're with the labor road for overruns, he could go to cost plus rather than a fixed price contract. He could track his forecast versus his actual labor hours and actually have the guys reporting them each week. He could incentivize his foreman. He could get his foreman involved in pricing the job in terms of the labor hours. He could make sure that in the scheduling, he's got the right guys getting it up out of the ground, finishing the job off, etc right guys for the right stage. And he could then use project management or pricing software. So we've got all these potential solutions. So what we then have is the foreman comes up or the person who's addressing this problem comes up with the recommendation. I think we should go up with, come up or go with solutions number two and three. So we're going to track our labor hours. We're going to incentivize the foreman and we're going to get the foreman involved in pricing the job. So, what were the results? So he went from losing about 36K in the framing stage. So it's quite a good size house. I think it was about 300 and 320 squares. Went from losing money to is now they're within 3% of their labor hours on this project. His team knows the score. They know how to play the game and what success looks like. They know how to win. And a foreman or the foreman or superintendent is going to be up to 80% of the success on a job. So how do you get them taking ownership of the outcome? We need to get them involved in the in the pre-construction and the pricing and planning stages to begin with. There needs to be some sort of incentive scheme. So it might be 20% of the labor hours or a certain fixed dollar price if it comes on time, under budget, great communication, great quality work, etc. So yeah, so it, it was transformational from her, for him. Yeah, what, what else would you add for making PSR work, Owen? 100%. So most people, as you grow, you're going to have to grow your team. You cannot possibly do everything. And as you grow your team, you're going to bring these guys on, and they may or may not have been taught how to manage up, right? So everybody uh, knows that you're going to have to manage down. You're, you're going to have to manage the team. But how on earth do these guys manage up to you? Most people are not taught that. 
Now, what you can do and what you have to do is you need to teach them how to communicate up. And that is not exactly what you just said. Take the monkey from their back and give it to you. But nobody has taught them how to correctly problem solve or correctly manage up. And this is the approach. The approach is PSR or as how other people like to call it, one, three, one. They need to come to you with one defined solution, uh, problem, sorry. Three potential solutions and it's your job to help them decide on one recommendation. It's not your job to do their job. It's your job to help them make better decisions and become better problem solvers. So they need to come to you with, like I said, one defined problem, three potential solutions because they're the one that's closest to the problem. They should have the best understanding of what potential solutions are there uh, or they need to go and research them and find those potential solutions out because this is their job, not your job. And it's your job to just coach them, course correct them and help them make the best one recommendation or help them through a learning experience of making a poor recommendation and learning from it. But that is how people need to be taught to manage up. PSR and 131. When they learn how to do that, they become better problem solvers. Better problem solvers become better leaders and better leaders run better businesses. You cannot grow a big business with lack of leadership and you cannot grow a big business with you being the only leader. You need good leaders, good leaders, good problem solvers. Problem solving is a skill that can be taught and can be and can develop. And that is through this exercise. PSR 131. The sooner you can train your team on this, the sooner you can get them operating in this framework, the quicker you will build leaders, the quicker you'll build problem solvers, and the easier it will be for you to build a great business that works for you. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. So if we ever think about what makes this successful, so this member's labor hours, he was tracking them monthly, and that's too late. By that time, the horse is bolted. Need to break, bring that back to weekly, forecast versus actual, so we get shorten the feedback loop. The team are course corrected before they get off course, because otherwise when a, when a ship or a plane is heading from Sydney to New York, it's, off, it's course correcting thousands of times, yet if it just carries on one or two degrees off course, then by the time it gets over the other side of the Atlantic, it's going to end up in um, Timbuktu. Yeah. Exactly. Well, similar place. So we're going to shorten the feedback loop. We want to make it as objective as possible and take out any subjective feelings. So numbers are the language of business. So when we've got forecast hours versus actual hours, everyone knows the score. It's very clear. Are we going to hit that milestone? Hey, we're halfway through the framing. It's meant to be 100 hours, but we're not sitting at 50 hours. We're sitting at 65 what are we going to do to get that 15 hours back over the next two weeks? Otherwise, no one's getting their bonus. So we can course correct, and we can do that in the toolbox meetings. And it gives ownership of the outcome. Now, what he was also doing was he was the only person pricing the labor hours. What we're now doing is getting the foreman to do the labor hours with him. So there's 15 tasks that the foreman should be doing to take load off your back. And involvement leads to commitment so he's now involved at the beginning and they're going okay cladding i had 60 hours why have you got 70 okay yep. hey uh getting the slab down i had 200 hours why have you got 175 and you can get much clearer on who's doing the work how does it compare to past jobs and make sure that you're building in at least a 20 percent safety margin on that and then you might bring the scope of work the schedule back a bit maybe tighten it up by 10 percent for your guys but you've still got that 20% buffer on the labor hours with your clients. So when you that's a project management software. That's a perfect example of why the value is in the planning, not in the plan. 
you just give your guys that plan of the of the labor schedule there's no ownership of it or there's no uh, understanding of the intricacies intricacies that went into the planning whereas when your foreman if he has participated in the planning and if he, he gets punched in the proverbial face with weather delay material delay you know sick days from the team whatever it might be you know client variation whatever he understands the planning and he can pivot the plan because he's participated in the labor elements of of putting that together that's why the value is in the planning not in the plan that's exactly what a uh, great example of what uh, you're saying there yeah a hundred percent like involvement leads to commitment so if you're just telling your team how many labor hours and so forth they're not involved and their commitment is less number two visibility leads to accountability so track the numbers track the work in progress forecast versus, versus actual let your team know the score and track that every week so you can course correct and control that work in progress and i guess Lastly, make sure that your values, your personal values, align with the business values and have your team come up with them. Have them client uh, external facing on your website, in your information pack, in your sales process. And those sh then show that you have all the systems behind those, like the 287 quality assurance checklist, the forecast versus actual, the rules of the game, what's going to happen on site, etc. visible for the clients. I've had conversations with members in the past and they've kind of been like, oh, I don't really want to disclose my values. It's like, Dude, you 100% have to make them visible because if you're not going to live these and you know own them and display them, then there's almost no point in having them at all. When we're building a team out, we want people to be almost a little bit like a cult. Like there is massive value in having having differences of opinions, differences of you know backgrounds, and diversity throughout the team. 100%. There is massive value in that, but there's also massive value in having people living the same values and coming to work with the same ambitions, with the same goals and with the same objectives. And that's when you get a really nicely aligned team. And you can only really do that when you actually put on the wall, plaster on your job ads, say everywhere, this is who we are and we're unapologetic about it. Then you're going to allow people to select themselves in just as much as you're going to allow people to select themselves out of being part of your crew. And you can only do that when you define, present, and plan with everybody what it is that you guys are about. When you don't do this exercise, you're going to be struggling to find good guys. You're going to be struggling to keep them in mind, and you're going to be struggling to delegate decision-making that is aligned with what you actually want to achieve. 100%. It makes hiring 10 times easier and better. So when you do this and you put it out on social media, you show here's our team upskilling. Here's what we're doing for training Fridays. Here's how we're promoting the apprentices. It shows you're building a great culture and it's going to make it more attractive to get great guys and our, our members in boardroom who are crushing it and our other members at the top of their game live, eat, sleep, and breathe values, high-performing culture. So put the guardrails up encourage your team to be problem solutions recommendation focused and it's going to massively transform your business do we have any any downloads or anything that we could yeah 100 percent. so if you found this helpful if you want to put your values in place or you just want to like have a nosy through our process our values and how you can tweak refine or improve them over the next 12 months and you want to visit the links below in the show notes uh, or in the YouTube notes, wherever you're listening to watching this. And you'll see a link there through to our website. On our website, you'll be able to download the resources for today and you'll be able to get them directly to your inbox. 
Alternatively, if you just want to have a chat, then email myself, Owen at The Professional Builder, or find us in our free Facebook group and message Marty or myself, and we'll be able to point you in the right direction and give you a hand. 100%. I reckon if we could, uh, we'll delegate this to someone on our team, but if we could get uh, our values, and I think if then we could have two or three sample member values, they can have an example of what they could vision for their business. I think it'll help promote people's uh, brains, bit of thinking, and give them a bit of creative fire to get started. 100%. Yep, that's exactly what we've got in our playbook that's part of our roadmap for, for this training. So we'll make that available to everybody. Perfect. All right, my man, should we land the plane? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome, guys. Take care. Enjoy the downloads, and we'll see you next time.